Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe and believing obey. Amen. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon about love and how love finds a way. I preached about how Jesus was in the wilderness and God was so creative with his love, how God met him there in the wilderness by way of angels. Well, today I want to preach about love again as an angel meets Elijah in his wilderness. Because here's another thing about love. Here's another thing about God's love. It doesn't just find a way once. It finds a way again and again. If it doesn't get you the first time, it will come back for a second time and a time after that. God's love doesn't take no for an answer. His love is not just creative. His love is tenacious. There's a story I know about a boy and a girl. It's a true story. I wish I could say that this is the story of me and my wife. But it's not. In fact, I can honestly say that the turning point in our relationship came when we were just six months into the relationship and we're still teenagers. And I, I tell her, I don't think things are going to work out. We should break up, I say. And she says, no. And the rest, as they say, is history. But our story, the one about the tenacity of love, it, it begins with a boy, a young man for sure, but we'll call him a boy. And He sits alone on a bus full of people. The bus will take this group into the wilderness where they will go rafting and hiking and camping. It's a chance for young people of the city to be social and have a good time. But our boy, he wants to be alone. At least that's what he tells himself. Too bad for him, his bus seat is made for two. And love is not about to take no for an answer. A girl gets on the bus. She was supposed to be joined by a friend, but the friend bailed at the last minute, and so... She is also by herself. The bus is almost full. She looks for a seat. She sees one. It's next to the boy. He seems normal. He's looking at a phone and keeping to himself. There's a heart on his shirt. Someday later, they will wonder if that was a sign 
It's funny how love insists on getting our attention. She sits beside him. They have more in common than they could ever imagine. Life has not been easy for our boy and our girl. In fact, it's almost been too much. The bus roars off toward the wilderness. In today's biblical world, we find Elijah roaring off to the wilderness too. But it's not for social reasons. It's for the sake of his life. Only two chapters ago, he won a showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal. The people looked on as those prophets prayed to Baal to consume their sacrifice. They prayed all morning and then into the midday. But their prayers were returned only with silence. But when it was Elijah's turn to pray, God sent down a fire and burned the sacrifice up. And the people turned to God and took the prophets to the river and killed every last one of them. But the story doesn't end there because the wicked queen Jezebel was a devotee to Baal. So to her, Elijah's little demonstration was a political fiasco. To challenge her God was to challenge the authority of her crown. So she sends a messenger, or in Hebrew, a malach, to Elijah to tell him he'll be dead by tomorrow. And so for the sake of his life, Elijah roars off into the wilderness. And we run alongside Elijah as he tries to escape from those who chase him. We follow him as he leaves the kingdom of Israel and enters Judah, which is beyond Jezebel's legal reach. We watch him leave his servant behind to rest. We join in as he enters the wilderness. We sit down beside, beside him under that solitary broom tree. This is Elijah's place of too much. He has led us to his place of too much. He wants to be alone, but we are there with him under that solitary broom tree and we look around at the desolation i wonder if it looks like our place of too much when we get to the point of too much does it look like that it's very quiet here so quiet that elijah's voice surprises us as he cries out enough take my life this is all too much. And then he collapses. And we collapse with him. Maybe we need to collapse with him. Do you need to collapse with him? And there is sleep. Biblical theologian Walter Brueggemann offers, when our guard is down, is a time when the inscrutable powers of God work their will with us. 
when our guard is down, when we collapse. And so it is with Elijah and all those who join him under the broom tree in this place of too much. Even here, we remain in good hands. And all at once, we're, we're shaken awake by those good hands. Our translation tells us that Elijah is touched, but the Hebrew word that is used here is the same word that is used when the angel touches Jacob and dislocates his hip. So good hands or no, there's something violent about how Elijah is wakened. Do you ever stop to wonder why God has to be so forceful? Even when we're, we're most vulnerable, why God has to be so forceful? Why does God have to be so forceful with me? Why does God have to be so forceful with us to get our attention? We don't know much about the mysterious one that has somehow tracked us down in this place of too much. He's a messenger. But then again, Jezebel was sending word by a messenger. This one seems to be on our side. He brings a cake and a jar of water, and he insists that we eat, and we do. And we're surprised at just how much we needed that. That's the thing about love, though. It doesn't give up. Even when it means meeting us where and when it is just too much. Love will not concede our moments of vulnerability to the forces of stress and pain. Love is creative and love is tenacious and God's perfect love is perfectly tenacious. It's going to keep coming for you. God's love is going to keep coming for you. It is. The long bus ride, the one I told you about, gives our boy and our girl an opportunity to get to know one another. He's polite, but not overly interested, at least at first. She's playful and outgoing, and by the time they reach the campsite, they are more than acquaintances, and he is more than a little interested. A rafting trip is on the docket, and our boy makes sure to get in the same raft as she does. The river gives them another chance to talk and play. She sees a church on the riverbank and asks if anyone will join her there for worship the next day. It would only be a short hike from their campsite. He wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, the next morning they set off for the chapel together. And by now they know that something special is happening inside. There's a spark. The hike to the church gives them another chance to connect, but when they arrive, they find that the church service was actually the night before. This does not deter love. A sign on the door tells them that another church has a service, but it's six miles up the road, and wouldn't you know it, they walk it. Were they that desperate for an hour of worship? Or was love being insistent, tenacious? I'll let you be the judge. Cars drive by, 
but nobody takes them up on their thumb signal, so they march the entire way. She even fakes an injury and takes up limping when they hear an engine nearby, and the drivers pass by anyway. And our girl jokes, I hope we don't see these people in church. Won't they feel guilty? By the time they get to the church, though, there's no doubt there's something special between them. I guess the sermon title on the marquee, the words that greet them as they approach their worship destination, shouldn't surprise anyone. It reads quite emphatically, this is a sign from God. Our biblical text is equally emphatic as the story continues in the place of too much. It, like the church marquee, wants us to know that the malak, the messenger, is a sign from God, not a predator from Jezebel. So when Elijah falls asleep the second time, the text clarifies things, telling us that the one who returns, the one who comes back bringing provision, is not just a malak, but a malak Adonai a messenger from the Lord. And when we know it is a Malak Adonai, a messenger from the Lord, a sign from God that tells Elijah and that tells us, get up and eat, otherwise the way ahead will be too much for you, well, then that changes everything, right? Or does it? Do we listen to the Malak Adonai's in our lives, the messengers of the Lord. Do we listen or do we make them come back to the place of too much again and again? How tenacious does God's love have to be before we let ourselves feel it, embrace it, how tenacious does God's love have to be with us before it changes us and makes us better and, and makes us love more? How many times do you think the messenger of God would have come back for Elijah? If Elijah fell asleep once more, do you think he comes back? What about twice? If Elijah fell asleep three times, do you think the messenger of God would have come back? At what point do you think God stops caring about Elijah? At what point do you think God stops loving Elijah awake? At what point do you think God stops loving us awake? If we fall asleep on the work of God once, will he come back for us? If we miss his message twice, will his love try again? How many times will God's message of love keep coming back for us? As many times as it takes. That's the thing about love. It doesn't count the miles. God's love doesn't keep score. It doesn't tally its attempts. It, it forgets when its message misses. 
It is as bold as a no-nonsense church marquee in its determination to deliver its message. This is a sign from God. Love is tenacious. God's love is never going to give up on us. It's never going to give up on us. Never. Our boy and our girl will always remember their first date. Love almost forced them into it. They wore hiking boots and were in desperate need of a shower. Even still, the pastor invited them to carry the communion elements from the back of the church to the table. It was the first time they walked the aisle together, but it wasn't the last. Love found a way for them. Love found a way for Elijah too. Even though he's far from home, he's far from people, he's lying underneath a broom tree, he's giving up on life, he expects to be met by a messenger with a death warrant, and yet amidst all of that arrives a messenger from God on a mission not of death but of life and love. Elijah was in good hands. He always was. And we are in the same good hands. Amen.